0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys here in Compass, all of you in the chapel and in the theater, and all of you watching online. We're so glad you have made a point to be at North Star this morning. I think by the end of the day, I hope it's something you go, I'm glad, really, really glad I was there. We're just honored to have you. It's our fifth week in our tension series. You know, last week we talked about grace and works, had a lot of great conversations with folks this week about what that meant to them and how they're, they're grappling with the whole grace works thing. And I think today is gonna be one we're all, it, it's gonna be one of those where like, oh yeah, I felt that, I've, I've gone through that. I'm glad to hear about that. And that's what we're gonna be talking about, faith and doubt. And I think it's gonna be really, really fun today. But we got something to celebrate, all right? Number one thing, it wouldn't rain in today. Can we get a celebration tonight? That's good news, isn't it? Now, if I could adjust the, the temp up just a little bit, right? Get the temp. But, but spring is coming. There's hope on the way. Last week was looking... I've always heard people, you know, when a writer writes, the day was very gray. Last week was just gray, wasn't it? And just to look out and see sunshine this morning, it was such a beautiful thing. Has nothing to do with our sermon. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 20. That's where we're gonna camp out here in a second. If you've got the note sheet in the room, you were given a little note sheet, great place to jot down some things. Uh, If you're watching online or in the room, go to the north star church app north star church georgia in any app store and you can download the notes and it really is today is a day if you haven't been there you will be you're going to if you're not there you'll have a friend there talking about faith and doubt it was really cool i was talking to our team last week over a thousand right around 1000 people a week open the app during a sunday morning to take notes. So that's awesome because you can email them to yourself. You don't have to remember where you wrote them and, and all the stuff is in there. I think all of us are here today because there's something about faith that interests us. So maybe you grew up in church and this was just what your family did and they got up on Sunday mornings and they sang songs and you went to Sunday school and, and you learned about Jesus and you went to vacation Bible school and, and that was the trajectory your parents set you on and there's just this faith component that's always been a part of your life or, or you're here because you've been through a tough time. See, know this, people don't come to church when life is good. People show up at church when life hits the rails, when life hits a wall. Maybe your life hit a wall and you had a friend that went to church and you're like, there's something different about them. But faith interests you. you whether, no matter where you are on the all bought in or not bought in at all spectrum, right? There's something about it that interests you. Doubt is something that we all left the doubt card in the car as we came in today. We wouldn't wanna walk into church and not believe everything being said, but if we could have little thought bubbles, right, like, uh, like cartoons, and if we could have thought bubbles, everybody in this room and everybody watching today, you've visited this room. You've wondered if it was all true. Is God really real? Thank you very much. <laughs> been a great day. Y'all have a great day. All right, I'm going to head out real quick. <laughs> very, very nice. Very nice. Is heaven a real place? Is Jesus who he said he was? Is the, did the resurrection really happen? Or is this a historical document that has no validity? Doubt. See, in our brains, This tension shouldn't exist. Remember, first little blanks in your outlines today. Some things in life are not problems to be solved, they're tensions to be managed. Faith and doubt's a tension. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or you've been walking uh, towards church for five minutes, faith and doubt are real. And there's a tension there. And in our brains, we walked in a room like this, we tuned in to a, to a place like North Star from wherever you're watching from today, and we believe there's two camps of people, those who doubt and those who don't. We just believe that there's two camps, those who doubt and those who don't. Once you do, you never doubt again. Once you enter the family of faith and doubts are put, uh, doubts are assuaged and they are put aside and they are never to be visited again. So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, here in Compass, I've got spotters and watchers in True North in the theater and online the Holy Spirit knows, all right? And so, I want you to be honest. How many of y'all have struggled or visited doubt? Raise your hand. Isn't it funny? This, those who doubt and those who don't really isn't true. I met Jesus at 14. I'm 53. 50-something, <laughs> you know what it is. Y'all, there just comes a point you just don't want to know. You know what I'm talking about? You cross 50, you're like, yeah, let's go back. I want to be Benjamin Button, all right? And so I don't want to keep going that way. So, But there's been seasons and moments and tragedies that have elicited doubt. How do we manage this tension? Remember, it's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. And here's how we know it. We know it because God left all these stories from Gideon to Abraham to King David. Read the Psalms. David, a man after God's own heart. Half the Psalms, he's crying out asking God where he is. God, have you forgotten me? God, have you, do you even know who I am? Jeremiah, the prophet. But today we're gonna to capture a story that happened in the heart of Jesus' ministry. Jesus... Left heaven, put on skin, came to earth, lived 30 years. And then for three years, he did his ministry, and he put alongside him some disciples. How many disciples were there? Does anybody remember? There were 12, 12 disciples. That's exactly right. So there's 12 disciples. We know that Judas bows out. Uh, Judas takes, uh, takes another pathway, which leaves 11 The crucifixion happens on a Friday. Jesus, they saw him on the cross. They saw him cry out, it is finished. They saw his body taken down. Most of the disciples are hiding out. We know John's there. Most of the other disciples are hiding out. We know that doubt crept in so much. Even Simon Peter, the most outspoken of the disciples, now was plying the family trade as a fisherman. On Sunday, the... Ladies go to anoint the body on Sunday morning, and the body's gone, and and the angel says, the one you're looking for, he is risen. And they run back and tell the guys. Well, now, all of a sudden, they become hopeful, and we get this story. Would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? John 20, verse 24. There's 11 guys left disciples. One of the 12 total, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. He was not with the others when Jesus came. So Jesus visits the upper room. All the guys are there but Thomas. They had sent Thomas out to get zaxby's or chick-fil-a and thomas wasn't there can you imagine fear of missing out this would be something you wouldn't want to miss out on thomas wasn't present he gets back and look at what they told him we have seen the lord thomas you wouldn't have believed it. he was just here thomas is going well that's great all right that's great this is just super look at what thomas says he replied, I am not going to believe it unless I see the wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand on the wound in his side. You guys are all good. I got to see it for myself. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus Speak to us in the spaces and places where you find us this morning and turn our eyes towards you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you sit, turn around and find somebody around you. Introduce yourself and you can have a seat. Thomas, Thomas, guy got a pretty bad rap. He's not the guy that did something in high school that everybody remembers what they did and they're stuck with a nickname. We know Thomas, not as Thomas the twin. We all know him as who? Doubting Thomas. Was he really doubting Thomas? Or was he the only one that spoke up? Was he really the only guy who doubted? Or was Thomas just the one that got labeled with it because he actually said it? Interesting. Doubt crept in the heart of a man who saw every miracle that Jesus did. Think about that. He was there when he fed 5,000. He was there when he healed the, uh, the blind man, blind Bartimaeus. He was there when he raised someone from the dead, yet in that moment, it's it's really interesting, I want you to write this down, because this is a great thing for your memory bank, crisis, crisis, and loss feed, feed doubt. It's like when tough times come, our doubts get fed, not our faith. So I put myself, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Every time you read scripture, you need to look at it from a couple vantage points. One vantage point is the person who experienced it, right? We all get why Thomas could feel this way. He wasn't there, he didn't see it, and he's just speaking up going, I really need, I want to believe it, but I, I just need to see him. I wasn't here. That's one vantage point. Second vantage point to look at it is, From the vantage point of Jesus. So what was it like to be Jesus in that moment? Think about this. Jesus has left heaven. Jesus has come to earth. Jesus has given his life for his disciples and for you and me. And you find out one of your key guys, not one of your outliers, one of your inner circle guys wonders if it was really real. If I'm Jesus, I'm ready to light him up. When I see him, I'm talking about take him off in a corner and just light him up. Thomas, you know better than this. This That's not how it went down. The Bible says eight days later, Jesus appears to Thomas. Eight days. When you're waiting on something, you ever ordered something on Amazon and it took over a day I the most amazing thing. Anne's sitting there ordering. She orders something and I hear our doorbell. I'm like, how did it get here, right? And so, but you wait some eight days? I wonder what Thomas was doing during those eight days. I wonder if he was wondering if he got to see Jesus again after the resurrection, what Jesus would say to him. And it's really interesting. John 20 records that Jesus said, Thomas, put your fingers on my hands. And put your fingers on my side where the spear went in. And the Bible says that Thomas said, my Lord, my God. No yelling, no screaming, no condemning, no questioning. There's a church in India right now called Bartoma Church. And that's where history says that a spear was run through Thomas's side because he wouldn't deny his faith. He visited here, but he died here. Why did God leave us the story of Thomas? Because he knew you were gonna be sitting here. And if Thomas doubted, guess what? You're going to visit doubt too. Everybody look at me. God does not hate you when you doubt. And North Star is a safe place to express those doubts. You have Thomas, second character. Next little bit, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. How many of y'all, when you were getting married, there was somebody that you were afraid for your spouse to meet in your family because you didn't want them to judge you because of that family member? How many of y'all, raise your hand if that's true. Don't you didn't raise your hand. You're lying, all right? And so we are that family member to somebody else, but that's a whole nother ballgame. John the Baptist was Jesus' crazy cousin. Six months, born six months prior to Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one that wore, uh, he wore These crazy outfits. He ate locusts. He's the one that baptized Jesus. He was the one that said, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. He was the one that boldly preached. So he had his own disciples. He sends them all to Jesus. And he's boldly proclaiming, he is the one, he is the way. And John the Baptist is just, I mean, he's like blazing, he's like a bulldozer. just going through the wood, just blazing a trail for Jesus. Well, he preaches in front of Herod. Herod is convicted, but Herod never does anything with the conviction, which is a whole, it's a whole nother deal. Well, then one night while they were partying and while they were dancing at, his wife's daughter was dancing, and, and Herod was taken up in the moment. And he said, I'll give you anything. What would you like? And speaking on behalf of her mother, listen to what she said. She said, I think I'd like to have the head of John the Baptist. John the Baptist gets arrested. John the Baptist gets put in prison. Oh, man, this guy, you're talking about faith? This joker is all in the faith camp, I think. Because John the Baptist utters these words that are recorded in the book of Matthew. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples, he had his own guys, every rabbi did back then. So he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the, what's the next word? we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Sitting in that prison cell, John the Baptist visited this word. Are you really the one? I'm talking hours later, he was gonna be beheaded for his faith. And he gave Voice to where he was, and he said, Jesus, are you the guy? The response of Jesus we didn't capture in the story, but it's very interesting. Jesus responds and he said, John, just look around, just look at all the life change. See what happens when we visit doubt? We get very insular. And we only look at our circumstances and we only look at our problems and we only look at our injustices and we only look at our stuff. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. And Jesus said, John, just pick your chin up. Look at all the people being healed. Look at all the miracles happening. But John the Baptist visited doubt. And look at what it says in Matthew 28. Then 11 disciples left for Galilee. This is after the resurrection, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them, what does it say? Some of them did what? I want you to write this in your next blank. Everybody doubts. Everyone doubts. If you hadn't, you will. There's gonna be something that's gonna happen in your life that's gonna make you go, is this all really real? Is this true? See, at some point in our journey, our parents' faith, we borrow, but at every point in everybody's life, we've all got to make it our faith. I borrowed my parents for a long time, but at some point, I had to come to the point of going, no, this is my faith, and this is what I believe. But there's a tension between faith and doubt, and it doesn't make you a bad person, or all these stories wouldn't be left there. I want you to write this quote down. If you jot down quotes, this this was for me what I needed this week. Doubt is uncertainty. Doubt is uncertainty. I find it encouraging that people's words doubting God, I find it encouraging that people's words doubting God have become God's words to doubting people. People's words doubting God have become God's words to doubting people. God did not have to leave these stories. He did. Why did he leave the stories? Everybody look at me. Because he knew you were going to need their stories. You are going to need to wrestle with what they wrestled with. You are going to need to go through what they've already been through. There was a dad in the Gospels, one of my favorite stories in all the Gospels. A dad comes to Jesus because his son is possessed and was writhing and foaming at the mouth and I mean, I know all of our kids have done this in a checkout line. But anyways, so this is, this is like the real thing and he's helpless and he loves his son. Yesterday, I was in Beaufort, Georgia with a group of dads, the dads of baseball players at a high school out there and they do an event for all these dads. And I said, there's two things we all have in common in this room. Number one, you're in here because you love your boys. Number two, you love baseball. This daddy, in this story, he loved his son And he was helpless. He didn't know what to do for him. He didn't know know how to handle it. He didn't know what to do. So he comes to Jesus and he asks this question. It's a great question. He said, Jesus, could you heal? If you can, would you heal my son? And we pick up the story. Look, Mark chapter nine. What do you mean, Jesus asked, if I can? Anything is possible. If a person believes this man is gonna speak on all our behalfs, right here. Listen to what he says. And he instantly cried out, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. You ever sat in a funeral and thought that before? I believe. But God, would you help me in my unbelief? I love that dad. And Jesus heals his son, by the way. Spoiler alert! You can read it, but he heals his son. But this dad's word, words became become comfort for where we live. We learned three things from this man. Ready? Principle number one: These are phenomenal takeaways. Principle number one: Give voice to your doubts. Give voice to them. Don't tuck them. Don't hide them. Don't hope they go away. Give voice to them. Everybody, look at me. God can handle your doubts if you'll let Him. What happens, though, is if we put them in the shadows and we put them in the darkness, we feed the doubt and we can't feed our faith. Give voice to your doubts. Well, Mike, if I'm in a small group, I'll be the only one in a small group that has a question. No, no, no. You might be the only one that speaks up, but you won't be the only one with a question. Well, Mike, I'm trying to raise. I met a dad this morning going, we're brand new in church. We're brand new here. but We really want to get our kids in church. And if I speak up about my doubt, I'm going to hurt my kids' faith. Really? Can I tell you something about our children? Many of our children will help our faith as much as they are help buyers mary michael was a little girl her in case were little guys and my grandmother was passing away at southwest hospice and i remember loading up in her minivan heading down in union city and we got there And i'm like and i knew this would be the last moment i got to visit my grandmother and and little granny john she's probably this tall she's a tiny little thing and um I knew it'd be my last visit. Hospice had been, she'd been there about a week, and they they called and said she wasn't going to make it, and We drove down there, and I was emotional. We grew up right near her and stayed with us a lot. And I remember leaving all of them in the car, and I went in to pray with Granny and to talk to her and tell her I loved her and tell her I was going to miss her and all the stuff you do. And I came out, and I was, I cry at Publix commercials, all right? And so I'm crying. Brian's song still gets me. Remember the Titans? They all get me. But anyways, so I'm crying. I'm coming out, and I get in the van, and I just sit down and just let a breath out. And I said, this is probably the last time I see her. Mary Michael was a little, little girl. They're in the back seat. And she said, Daddy, isn't Granny going to go to heaven? I said, yeah, baby, she's going to go to heaven. Well, isn't she going to get to see Jesus there? I said, yes, baby, she's going to get to see Jesus there. Isn't she going to get to see her your granddad who went years ago, isn't she going to get to see him? I'm like, yeah, baby. She said, then why are you crying? I'm like, shut up, Mayor Michael. All right, I, don't need your, I don't need you helping me now. You know what I'm talking about? Kids sometimes just get things we don't. Give voice to your doubts. Why? Because you're not alone. Aren't you glad this dad spoke up? Gives me comfort. Jesus didn't chastise him. Why would he chastise you? Number two, this is my one of my favorite points. Doubt your doubts. Doubt them. Doubt your doubts. You're gonna have them. The more analytical you are, the more spreadsheet oriented you are, the more cynical you are, but I'm not saying that in the mean way, but just by nature, you you like to have all the answers, the harder faith is for you. Doubt your doubts. Doubt them. I haven't been to heaven. Jesus has never transformed himself in my car and talked to me riding down the road audibly. I have never gotten some backstage pass that I get. I saw it and I got the tour and now I'm here to tell you about it. No, I read the same Bible you do and pray the same prayers you do. But I meet a lot of people that are right where I am. The, the problem is they, they never doubt their doubts. They just sit in them. Doubt your doubts. Two of the greatest books written in our generation more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell and The Case for Faith and The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel were written from the vantage point of people who doubted their doubts and they found their way. I see some good friends sitting back here and we've got a mutual friend and he started coming to North Star, played golf with a guy and really liked him and that guy invited him to church. He started coming. We used to do Saturday night services. Can you imagine? Saturday night church. You're like, Mike, we don't do that anymore. Nobody came, all right? There was like one guy, and I remember his name. He sat right there. or Vinny sitting. He's sitting right there. He came every week. I didn't really know his story, and one day he comes up, and he goes, man, Mike, I've been coming to church. I played golf with this guy, and I just don't understand. And this guy was probably mid-late 50s at this point, taking an early retirement from banking, and um, very, very intelligent guy. And he's like, my God, I just got so many questions, man. I just, and I knew he was getting in an area that was a little above my pay grade and where I don't, I don't enter into a lot. And I said, man, I got a book I want you to read. I want you to read The Case for Christ. So he began to read that book. <clears throat> I'd sort of forgotten about it, to be honest with you. And one morning I got up for church on a Sunday morning at 3, and I get up at 5, did my quiet time, check my email and in my email inbox was a note from this gentleman it said i believe he doubted his doubts and he found his faith ike used to say all the time here what good is a faith if it's not tested doubt your doubts and number three choose to trust at the end of the day, you can't get past trust. The whole Christian life can be boiled down to, there's a point in our lives we get to where we make a decision, I trust. Here's what I'll tell you. The longer I don't give voice to my doubts and I don't doubt my doubts, I don't, I don't really move. But in all of our lives, we get to the point where we just go, I'm just going to choose to trust. I remember sitting in my office with a guy, and I mean, he came in armed with lots of questions. Lots. You can tell. I mean, it was not going to be a conversation. It was like, like he's, he, I'm on trial kind of questions. And he goes, Mike, how do you know? So well, I know like you do. I do the authority of scripture. It's like, no, 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 no. How do you know? I said, bud, I'm gonna be honest with you. I just choose to trust that heaven's real. That Jesus is who he said he was. There's just too much. And we talked about the validity of Scripture and the validity of, of all the writers and how it all came together. And I was getting getting exasperated. And when I get exasperated, I can get a little bitey in my comments. I'm like, Lord, don't let me, I don't wanna snap at this guy. But I said, let me, let me just say it this way. Let's say it's not true. You're right. I wouldn't choose to live my life any different than I live it right now. What do I lose? Nothing. But I said, what if it is? What do I gain? I gain everything. And what do you lose? You lose everything. Simon Peter. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. I choose to trust. For some of us, we've never done that. We've never stopped, stepped across the line of trust. We're interested, but we've never put our faith in one who can handle our doubts. And maybe today, that's your day. Would you pray with me? There's some of us sitting in this room today and we just go, golly, it's like today was for me. Maybe you're sitting out here today, say today, Mike, I get it. I choose Jesus. I'm turning towards him. Yeah, I'm gonna visit doubt, but I ain't living there. I choose Jesus. For the first time. I really do believe he lived for me. And I really do believe he died for me. And I really do believe he rose again on that third day for me and my sin. And today I choose to trust Jesus. And if you're in these rooms and our spaces or watching today and you say, Mike, I did that today. Boy, tell us. We want to celebrate with you. For those of you that are here, that go, man, Mike, I'm all in on the faith thing. But I still visit doubt. That's okay. Just don't pull up a chair. One day, we're going to close our eyes here. And I believe 100% we're going to open our eyes there. And we'll say, I'm so glad I trusted Jesus.